1: Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member
0: FDSE. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence
1: Welcome to the Weekden Update, your weekly dose of everything Grizzlies, presented by the Grizzden Podcast and the Fans First Sports Network. I'm your host, Will Walker, and I'm joined every week by John Kraft. How's it going, John?
0: Uh, happy to be here. Uh, i super pumped about having our first one in a while. And unfortunately, as normal, with Weekden, um, the news is going to end up overtaking the rest the rest of what we like to do. So, so
1: John and I have been talking for the last couple of weeks what we wanted this particular podcast to look like throughout the season you know we plan every date we plan the format and i'll share that with you in just a few seconds and this morning the very first one the inaugural episode where we're going to hit the ground running we have just something uh so important that it's going to take over the episode and we're going to get to that in just a second but next week uh hopefully Barring any other breaking news, we're going to start out with the record and rating of the Grizzlies. Uh, we're going to go who's up and who's down. So that's going to give us a chance to highlight something from last week and also lowlight something from last week. We're going to talk through a few news and notes. Uh, And then the need to know for the upcoming week. So we're going to look at matchups. We're going to look for um, specific trends we're going to be watching for and anything special uh, from a miscellaneous standpoint. We're going to crown an MVP of the week every week. And then every few episodes, we'll have a 10-game prediction. John, could you describe the reason why we do this 10-game prediction throughout the season?
0: Yeah, so the 10-game prediction I think is really important because in an 82-game season, It's very easy to get um, too high on the highs, but especially uh, for Memphis Grizzlies fans (laughs) and Memphians in general, uh, low with the lows um, because of shot variance, because of just weird matchups and all these things. And so usually 10 games is a really good opportunity to kind of see the big picture. Um, So when you have sort of like schedule losses or, like I said, crazy games where a team just shoots lights out, which happen, you don't get thrown by that, um, but you look over like, how are we playing over a 10 game? A sample size, and so you can kind of get a feel. Because we might d- get destroyed by some random team, but then we went seven and three over the last ten, and so that those are the kind of things. And I think it's a helpful way to look at the seasons.
1: Yeah, for sure. And Kraft and I, of course, there's we're going to be you know uh, there's going to be undercurrent of competition here. We're going to try yes. to get the most accurate that predictions well. against each other. But like you said, this is more of setting a threshold for expectation. Every 10 games, just kind of see, okay, who do we have coming up from the schedule? Are they a strong opponent, p- opponent, weak opponent? What's the schedule around each opponent? And also injuries. It's going to be a really good way to go back and, and track. And that's what I'm excited for for MVP of the week as well is, you know, when we're 70 games in, we can look back and see, you know, Santi Aldama really popped for this, you know, two-week stretch. And we'll hopefully we'll highlight that along the way with the MVP of the week. But we've done enough introduction. It's time to get to the somber news that we received this morning. Um, About mid-morning, there was a tweet that was published by the Grizzlies PR account, and it read as follows. Grizzlies center Stephen Adams will undergo season-ending surgery on his right posterior cruciate ligament, or PCL, after non-operative rehabilitation did not resolve ongoing knee instability. Adams is expected to make A full recovery ahead of next season. John, your first reaction reading this was.
0: Uh, This really sucks. And uh, it's just kind of a damper as far as just this whole weekend. I mean, I'm getting excited. I'm looking and and watching old Grizzlies games. I'm just, I can't wait for uh, Tuesday at the start of the season, but really Wednesday to get here. And and just really excited to see what this new look uh, Grizzlies are going to look like, Um, as well as just being excited. You know, we played really well in our preseason game when our actual rotation players are in. And then just and this just puts a damper because you immediately feel like, oh, does this put a ceiling on the season? What does this mean? Um, and, And just all the things that go through. And honestly, the biggest thing for me is just having missed Adams for the second half of last year. He's just a fun player, a fun personality uh, that it's just, I'm just sad, like I'm not going to get to watch him play basketball this year. And so that was just like, take away the team stuff. I'm just, I was just sad that I'm not going to get to see Adams just do funny things, crazy passes, uh, just wreck, um, you know, undersized big men. And uh, so that just is
1: really sad. Yeah, I was in shock. And honestly, it's been a full day of processing because we had uh, seen him play. In the preseason, it's not a situation to me where I was going in with any sort of pessimism. Of course, it was something to monitor. And now, if you look back at the media day uh, interviews, you know, you see Taylor, I feel like, was the most confident. Zach was middle of the road. Maybe it was switched around. But the point I'm trying to get to is Steven Adams seemed to be the least confident of everybody that was asked about his specific injury. And I thought, you know, maybe this is just Steven Adams being coy. Um, he just is kind of a guy who seems to not take interviews too seriously, which is a lot of the reasons why we, we really love him because he's really fun. Um, but he, looking back, that's notable now to hear that, you know, he might've had been feeling a certain level of discomfort and was playing through it. And obviously I, I, the first thing for me was this, my mind immediately went to mismanagement, which with this Grizzlies organization is not something my mind immediately goes to when I see something like this, because of course, I think we are, you know, 10, 11 months from when this injury had happened. Uh, they've had this whole time to rehab. And I get that, you know, players would rather opt not to do surgery. And I'm sure teams would too. Um, it Needless to say, I'm not a doctor, but I'm wondering too, w- at what point in time along the way was this, W- w- was this enabled? You know, w- how long were they going to keep doing this rehab? Because my guess is, I mean, if he started to say he was feeling better, I'm sure, I-, I don't know if there was something, a reaggravation. I know he didn't play on Friday. He looked pretty good in the minutes that he did play in preseason. It didn't, it looked like he was moving around pretty normally. Um, we haven't heard anything like this. It just, to me felt like it really came out of the blue. I wonder if there was a second opinion that was being asked of the team. I, you know, I'm sure there was a lot of internal conversation from January up to now till now. But to me, it's just such a long time. I'm like, if you know, you're going to potentially need a surgery that will put you out for 10 to 12 months, which is the timeline that they've released on this for looking towards next season. I just don't know along the way, why not, why not have this earlier and try to have him back for mid season I just don't understand. Um, And so that was my first reaction was just shock at the news because of the fact that he had been playing in preseason and then just almost a level of just anger. I'm like, what happened behind the scenes? And of course we're never going to know unless somebody goes and potentially goes on the record with something. Uh, But not likely with the Grizzlies, (laughs) not likely with the Grizzlies. And so, yes, I mean, we can, you know, that's one element of this, but then the other element is on the floor. How, how crucial Steven Adams was to this team's success, we can argue how crucial he should be. But my opinion on the matter is you have your core three and this, the front office has identified the need, which is Jaron Jackson is not a true five. I don't think he will be. He, he could be in closing lineups against favorable matchups and, uh but, like, that's what you've identified is you need a bruiser to take the load off and uh, someone to rebound, which is not Jaron's primary skill. And also, you want Jaron to be, feel free to roam. You don't want that pressure in the back of Jaron's mind uh, that he has to to take over the rebounding. And and then you have the screen screening action with the guards that Adams was the best in the league at. And so... What do you do now, Kraft? Like, where do you go from here if you're the front office? I have a a list of some names. I have ideas of, but like, let's talk big picture. Do number one, do we need to replace Adams? Mm-hmm. Number two, if we do, like, what's the best way to go about that?
0: Yeah. So I think, I mean, that's what's sad. I mean, I'm I probably uh, of of a lot of the people I talk to, I'm you know, not sh- shockingly, I know to people, <laughs> I'm not as pessimistic about the season. Um, as maybe some people were immediately, just because honestly we played the second half of the season without him last year, and I just for me the sadness comes from it just it uh, you know big picture for the whole season it gives you less flexibility for sure it it allows um, you know basically uh, now we just Jaron cannot get injured I mean like if 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 Jaron gets injured even misses two or three weeks. It's going to be really, really difficult, um, especially now with Clark out as well, because that's the other thing about this is that our two best big men outside of our core three are both probably gone for the season, um, you know, maybe a small, small shot with Clark that he comes back this year, but most people think it's not going to happen. And so so, that, so that's the big deal is like now it's we are really thin. We went from thinking forward position is where we're good and we're worried about our guards to so now it's like, man, we feel really deep at guard and now we're th- super thin in the forward. So that's that's one area we got to think through. But, yeah, so the, the big things that rebounding is really what Adams brought, uh, a little bit of just basketball IQ with the offense and then – and then the screens that he set, which, which just allowed guys to get so open. And it's been said often that Adams, it's not that he he's an elite role player. And the big thing about Adams is he makes Jaron better, he makes Ja better, and he makes Bane better. Like all three of those players are better when when they're playing with Steven Adams. And that's really, that's a huge loss. Um, and I'll get to why I'm not as pessimistic later, but I do want to like sit, sit Sit in it for a minute before I, I always want to go straight to the, like, it's going to be okay. And here's why, but we have to really sit in that. And so the biggest thing, big picture, uh, that the front office has to think through is we have now Adams and Clark, both of whom have had massive surgeries. One who is now a center, you know, hitting 30. With now a couple knee surgeries in, um, obviously missed an entire year. We have Brandon Clark who's coming back from Achilles. And while every, you know, again, all the surgeries seem to be going well and everybody's super positive, just it is rare to see guys come back, especially people who, um, you know, athleticism and explosiveness is a major part of their game. And so the front office is going to really have to think do we get some short term help? Um, and we'll talk about maybe that in a minute, how they can do that. Do we get short-term help to try to maximize this season, or do we make this season a laboratory, a little bit of how much can we play Jaron at the five? Um, do we need to start looking for who is going to be that that fifth starter, you know, moving on from Adams and maybe even Clark And we're just those are the questions that we're going to have to answer, you know, and and hopefully, you know, you were talking about Adams being negative, Jenkins being positive and then climate being in the middle. And I'm just I'm hoping I feel like I'm hoping that in the front office, this wasn't a massive surprise that is probably disappointing. They were probably hoping, but my hope is that they have the somewhere on a whiteboard. There's a lot of plans of, okay, if this goes the way it may go, you know, or the pessimistic, then here's what we're going to do. You know? So, yeah,
1: I would say too, just to add on what you said and what my uh, point was uh, leading to earlier Steven Adams, I think, is probably, at his peak, is the perfect complement for what you need. However, more importantly, he's the archetype for the the player that you really need in that role. And I'm right. not saying he's the only one no. in the league that can fill that role. So that's, that is right. that is the encouraging part. Uh, you know, you had the guy in the building, and that's the sadness. It's like, you have it yeah. here. It's yeah. just now you don't anymore this season. Right. And all of a sudden there's the margin for error is just so much slimmer. Right. You were talking about Jaron's injury risk. like, And the risk now is to, um, you know, the play style too. How much can you experiment in a regular season where, uh, to me at least, you have to be, uh, based on the fact that we didn't have Stephen Adams in last year's playoffs and how much that was a struggle with the depth, I'm looking ahead to this playoffs and I'm like, I want as favorable of a matchup as possible. I don't want to be playing right. from behind, which we have – tended to do anyway from a favorable seed so i'm not yeah. saying like it guarantees anything but this team has really been uh like it's been a regular season machine so far right and i want that to continue i don't want to lose momentum in the back of my head though i am thinking if something were to happen all of a sudden this year is no longer about the playoffs anymore it's about like really figuring out who you have in the young guys and you know it's it's about development which is it's it doesn't align with the linear track that we've been going on, but we have to also take a step back potentially and remind ourselves of all the injuries that we sustained and the Clark one just combined. It's just, there's a lot there. And, um, but I think the optimistic side again, is that Steven Adams is the archetype for a player. And those, those players are out there. We could probably find them.
0: Well, and, and to get nerdy, I want to get, get, so for the listeners, I'm going to get nerdy for just a second, because one of the big things when it comes to analytics is a thing they call the four factors um, and we talk about offensive and defense efficiency and this kind of has to do with this, but we have four factors uh, that people really look at analytic people and that is effective field goal percentage, which is basically just what kind of shots you're getting and are they going in a free throw rate percentage, which is how many free throws you're making, uh, Offensive rebound percentage, you know, or if you're on defense, keeping people from offensive rebound. So offensive rebound percentage and then turnover percentage. Well, one of the reasons why we've been a regular season monster and one of the reasons uh, that Steve Adams is so amazing is the rebounding percentage is unbelievable. As in, Stephen Adams is basically the number one offensive rebounder uh, in, in the world, honestly, in the NBA. And so we, we really killed people on the boards when he was in there. We were a great team. Uh, re, you know, we were just a great rebounding team. Uh, we've been great at turnover percentage. Uh, we were getting better at free throw rate. Uh, and obviously, so Steven Adams does not help with free throw rate. Steven Adams probably does not help that much with effective field goal percentage, except for us getting good shots off of offensive rebounds that he creates. So there's a little bit there. And the hope was with the Marcus smart Dylan Brooks trade off and just a lot of internal development that our effective field goal percentage was going to be way better because if you look back the last two years, even though we've won a lot of games, been the two seed, we that is just where we really struggle. And so what's going to have to happen now is we got to we got to hope that we are going to have a better effective field goal percentage. We're going to have a better free throw rate. We're going to keep our great turnover percentage. Uh, but then the rebound is the big worry is both um, and and honestly, the biggest worry is the, on the defensive side because we are a top defense. But uh, we are. It's amazing how good of a defense we are, because even with Adams playing half the season last year, we still did not have a great rebounding percentage. Um, and so that's sort of that's sort of can we be so like you know, can we be so amazing at hitting threes and so amazing at turning the ball over, uh, turning other people over and not turning the ball over ourselves to make up for that you know, the rebounding percentage we're going to lose with Adams. And that's kind of going to be the interesting question with who we look at and, and just how the season goes.
1: Yeah. And you also had Dylan Brooks contributing to the effective field goal percentage in a negative way. And so right. do you like one of the worst? Him? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do you backfill that with somebody who can shoot? And then, you know, does your offense take a different complexion at that point? And how does right. that look affect the numbers?
0: Right. Because that's one thing. I mean, you know, it's funny because like, so, like Matt Herdlicka, who's someone who's been on the podcast uh, before as a guest and some other guys, they've always, Always kind of been less enthused about Steven Adams and more wanting somebody who can shoot from that position and thinking. Ultimately, we need jaw and four shooters. Right. And and so there is a, a world in which, you know, now this makes us trade for a center who maybe doesn't rebound as well, but who actually spreads the floor and shoots threes. Obviously, we've seen this with Tillman in preseason, which I don't expect Tillman to become an amazing free th- uh, three-point shooter, but we've seen him shooting it. And so that is like one positive way I can see, hey, maybe through trades, through other things, we might bring in a big guy who stretches the floor. And while we give up, some of that rebounding and some of, like you just said, a lot of the s- screens and a lot of things. But maybe our offense just takes off, yeah, you know, because of
1: that. And also, I mean, this is marginal, but do you, is your need of offensive rebounding less when you have guys that are just better shooters? You know, so it's like that chicken or the egg right. situation. I mean, that's
0: I mean, it's funny because you look and you know, one of the things I looked at, I looked at cleaning the glass just to see, and it was interesting that like. You had some great defenses who defended the boards really well in like Boston, Miami. I mean, all the Milwaukee, the typical. And we were actually the weirdos who had the top four defense that didn't rebound well uh, from the defensive side. But then you also, you know who you had, who was the best offensive rebounding percentage team? Houston. <laughs> you know, and why is that? Because, you know, and they're really bad. It's because they miss all the time, right? And so, and so because they missed all the time, especially because they took a lot of bad shots. There's a lot of long, weird rebounds and other things like that. And so, in that sense, those are the kind of things that give me a little bit of hope. In that here's the the, the opportunity for us to maybe try some different things. Which honestly, we you know looking at last year, that was getting Luke Kennard shooting more threes, um, and we kind of shifted on the go last year. And, and so I think for us, as far as regular season, one of the things like I, I think now what happens is without Adams, I, st- I still think we're, we're going to be a really good team. I think we're going to be fine. We can talk about that more in a minute. But I think what's sad is when we play the Lakers, when we play the Bucks, when we play these teams that have two big guys um, or just are big in general. Uh, it's gonna be interesting. And it might mean that like when it gets down the road, obviously our team can look totally different by April. But it might mean that we're gonna look at matchups more than seed potentially in the playoffs or things like that. because totally. you know I, I I think that honestly, uh, if if you know those we had two coin flip games against the Lakers, um LeBron made that amazing shot. Uh, you know, but let's say he he misses that shot and we go on. Like I don't think we would have missed Adams against the Warriors. You know, and and I don't know. It'll be interesting. I'm at you know, spoiler alert to our talk about the matchups. I'm interested to see what it's like with the Nuggets. I don't know about that. But I know that for like the Warriors in particular, like we don't really need Adams in that matchup. You know, we saw with the T-Wolves. We didn't really need Adams. You know, of course, that was before they got Gobert. So who knows? But just those are the kind of things that will be interesting to watch as the season goes on. And I also just think that we have a smart front office who's going to adapt. We have a really great regular season coach. So,
1: yep. Let's talk about the mechanisms by which we can actually uh, bring somebody on board. Bobby Marks had a tweet that he had earlier today. It said that the Grizzlies can file a disabled player exception request to the NBA for Adams. They have to accept that request. And then 50% of Adam's salary is what we get to use um, for that disabled player exception. And, However, they do not provide an extra roster spot, so that's going to be an interesting uh, problem to solve. Honestly, because we do have a full roster, we've already used three two ways, and they would, yeah, they would, they would have to open up something, and that begs the question: Okay, there's two ways to open something up. The first way is you already have something temporary coming when John Morant's suspension. It's after five games, you get you get relief for. I think it's 20 games after that, mm-hmm. um, and so you can sign a replacement player to that spot. But of course, that doesn't that only spans until John Morant is back from his suspension. So then, after that, you would have to waive someone or make a trade, and that to open up a roster spot to then even use the disabled player exception. So the question becomes, okay, who on our roster at that point are you comfortable with waving? And as of right now, the lowest man on the pecking order is Kenny Lofton Jr. Now, he happens to be a front court player that is now all of a sudden probably going to get backup minutes here at the four and the five. Uh, and so you have Tillman, you have Jaron, you have Santi Aldama, and now you have Kenny Lofton. And those are theoretically your rotation right now at the four and five spot. And so can he prove enough through the first 25 games to then make the front office think, okay, either we don't have to waive him to create a roster spot or we can find another way in which we can get a better player via trade. And maybe at that point you sacrifice a different player on your roster. Or, I mean, we can even talk about the prospect of do you want Steven Adams or Brandon Clark on your roster at this point? Maybe we're playing well enough to where that's a real question, um, where you don't want that risk down the line. And you referred to that earlier. Um, we we also are 17.1 below the luxury tax, and we have the non-tech tax mid-level. We have a $7.5 million trade exception. We have the $4.5 million biannual exception. All that to say, we're not completely inflexible with our right. options There's just, if we're going to talk trade, that opens up a lot more. But if you're looking just for more temporary help, there's a couple things we can do.
0: Right. Well, and I mean, at at the end of the day, that's like, if a center right now is available, um, that probably means they're not that great. Right. Uh, And so that's one thing that is hard. I mean... You know that's not to say. Obviously, Grizzlies fans uh, have known many a a pickup, uh, even guys, uh, even like a Gilbert Arenas coming out, uh, coming from the from the uh, you know like the Y uh, to actually play a decent role for us. So that it's not unheard of. I even got even saw some people throwing around Mark Gasol's name, uh, which was hilarious to me, but which which tugged the heartstrings. But it's not happening. Not happening. But but part of. That, uh, you know, so so my thought is, I think we will we we're going to sign somebody, um, I think, on, on the sixth game. And I think that becomes available November 2nd. Uh, and it looks like, you know, we had always we had kind of uh, thought that that would be a guard, like a point guard to kind of make up for jaw. Um, but now it almost it almost certainly will be a big man. Um, and that's the question. I think the question is going to be, do we play him or do we, you know, play? play Lofton Jr. more minutes and see what we got in him. I assume, just knowing the Grizzlies, they do not mind playing young players, and they believe in development. And so, like you said, that's probably going to be the case. And then, you know, 25 games in, I think they will look at stuff. This whole time, they are probably looking at trades. But, you know, and I I saw today on Twitter a bunch of names, and maybe we can throw some out there. I have like 10 names. Yeah, and so we can throw some out there. But I will just caution everybody with the worst deal we would get would be right now because everybody in the league knows we are looking for a center and so the grizzly we are probably going to play several games i would expect um and we might grab a, a guy you know from off the waivers that's not on a team in five in after game five but i would expect that if a trade's coming it's going to be more december january um in fact if we're if we're Treading water, which I hope we are. I hope we're, you know, 500 above 500 when Jaw comes back. We'll probably even wait and see what it looks like with him. Um, And so I expect, probably, if a big move is coming, um, it's more likely closer to the trade deadline than closer to now. Um, But I feel like on Twitter today, and everybody was like, oh, we've got to do something. We've got to do something. I'm like, no, actually, I think it's probably going to be a little bit. And, you know, and if the Grizzlies have shown they believe, in their depth chart, they believe in these young players. And I think this is probably, probably they're looking at, well, now we have 25 games to see what we have in Lofton junior to, you know, and whether we need to waive him, whether he really does have a future. And I feel like that's probably the more the way they're going to go. Um, but, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, who they come up with for that ro- I mean, almost certainly we're going to get somebody um, on November 2nd, I think to fill out that roster spot so we'll yeah. see who that is, um, and maybe I have four we can names. talk about that. Okay, I have four All names like for it. the
1: uh, for the just the you know intermittent signing. uh Bismack Biombo, he's not on a roster yet he's just I mean a vet who's can do a lot of the stuff that you need a garbage man I would that
0: that would that for what this is I think that's an a plus yeah
1: me too uh Noel is another one who's out there Dwayne Dedman is like a Xavier Tillman-esque player just undersized but has played center in certain lineups and then I have one that uh is going to be familiar to a lot of Grizzlies fans and that's Gorgie Jang yeah, this front office has history with him. He's most recently played on the Spurs and was waived because the Spurs are, of course, going younger. Um, but I mean, he could. I, I still remember a couple games where he was stretching the floor in the corners. Yep. Um, yep. He can rebound. He's uh, service. He, you don't want him to be like part of your. Depth chart long term. Right. But he's a twenty game guy. Yeah. Uh and so one of those four, I'd be fine. Probably Dwayne Dedman would be the last one on the list. Just, just I want someone with some more size. Well, and
0: he and he just kind of to me just repeats what Tillman does. Agree. I feel like you want like I I like both the Biombo and the Jing in that, you know, Biombo's not stretching the floor, right, but uh, but he is crashing the boards and he is setting really good screens and mm-hmm. just just being a physical menace, which I think repeats some of what we lose in Adams. Right. And then, like I said, with Jing, he does a little bit of the rebounding. Um, he can, he seems to scream pretty well, though I, I remember the refs liking to call him for moving screens a lot. But, uh, but, but he also, he would be that interesting mix of you kind of have to guard him. He stretches the floor a little bit. So I think all those would be good. I mean, honestly, I would, you know, as a fan at... As someone who likes short, like to win regular season games, I think I would, if we were able to get Biombo or Gorgie, or honestly, probably any of those four names, I think I would struggle with not playing them um, and playing Lofton, even though uh, it's shown our front office does a good job of developing guys. So we'll see.
1: I have also a list of trade candidates, and this is from, like least exciting to most exciting in my opinion in terms of their fit and also most exciting would be because I don't think this is as realistic and these teams would probably command a higher price but they're worth it. Uh, Mason Plumley would be the first one on the list kind of that lower level. Um, He just He's up there in rebounding rate and yeah. just kind of does all the little things that you need a, he, he a center also is to a, do. He's a
0: good, he's a good free throw line passer, yeah. I think too. Agreed. That like kind of the way Adams is. Energy.
1: Um, Jericho Sims currently third on the depth chart. I Actually, have Isaiah Hartenstein as well, who I've always uh, loved,
0: and he's an, and he is one of those guys that the analytics love. Yes, and so that I. I would keep an eye I mean, for everybody who talks about the Grizzlies being a spreadsheet team. He is definitely a guy who would be high on the spreadsheet for so. sure.
1: Uh, Clint Capella. I also have listed here as well. Who knows what the Hawks are going to do. You and I both took their over. So, I mean, yeah. Clint Capella and Trey young just fit really well. I think there's a, right. um, an allegory there to jaw and Steven Adams. Obviously I'd prefer Ja and Stevo to, to Trey yes. and Clint, but there, there's something there. Uh, Robert Williams is an interesting name because he got traded from the Celtics to the Portland trailblazers. We're on, Sure of what the Trailblazers' direction is going to be right now. They already have DeAndre Ayton, um, and so how is that going to work? And right. he's injury-prone, of course, and yeah. we have enough injury-prone guys, but he's shown that at a very high level, like he and Jaron would be uh, menacing to, I mean, to The teams. two of them
0: And Mark is smart To get Like that yeah. We would uh, But I'll say I mean the, and, But he's the exact Kind of candidate Where I know I was seeing a lot Of talk on Twitter About him today And that's great But he's t- exactly The kind of guy Who we would get In January Yes Or closer to the Trade deadline 100%. But, You know After the Blazers and Have kind of Given up on the season And they're and trying To extract so much, so much Value from right.
1: their assets Is like Is that Are you gonna win Quote unquote That trade Or is it gonna right. be even you right. know, you don't and know. and
0: do, and is it worth it long term for us to start giving up our first round draft 100%. picks just for a guy who's fitting in for the Stephen Adams role? Right, like I mean that that's the stuff we're gonna have to really. I mean, which will become clear I think as we see us play out in the regular season and what
1: we look like. Two more names: uh, Avitas Zubats, who's on the Clippers. I just think like he's a perfect, uh, knows his role. Um, he's gonna be like. It, very important for the Clippers this season, and so I don't know. That's why he's lowered on the list. And then the last guy is Wendell Carter Jr. I just think like it's not happening with him, but he's a he's a he'd be the perfect complement to Jaron. Uh, can do all the things well that Jaron has struggled with, but also he can shoot. Um, he's just like the I mean
0: if I mean I I mean I would make the argument Wendell Carter Jr. might be an upgrade over Steven Adams which I know like Steven Adams stats might be coming out of Twitter to kill me for that but as far as just him being younger him being a three-point shooter and I think him doing a lot of the stuff I mean he is basically like you know uh Al Holford Al Horford 2.0 I right. think I mean he it's still he, really young and and he's been a guy that a lot of Grizzlies fans and other people have looked at for a long time. But like you said, I don't know why the magic on their timeline, uh, you know, in a way, they're a a year or two behind us maybe, but I would see them as thinking, oh, this is a guy we need to keep around for a long time.
1: And they have, like, you could tell by their draft that they're just trying to solve their guard problem. I think Mm -hmm. they already are assuming Wendell Carter's the solve for their, um, you know, four slash five problem. Um, Well, if it's going to be anything like the Grizzlies in, in the past, like, None of these names are probably going to get signed. It's gonna be someone random uh, that we've never heard of, and they're you know probably going to be really good. and yeah, we're gonna be, start be arguing than we think. exactly. Yeah. Uh, but it if nothing else, this this all of a sudden makes Kenny lofton's uh, next mm-hmm. twenty five games the most interesting you could argue out of any player on the roster because uh, he's not only playing for, he's gonna get more playing time than he expected. You know, we don't know that for sure, but I'm guessing he probably will. And also, those minutes are going to be way more important and high leverage for him mm-hmm. uh, because it could be his future in, in yeah. on the Grizzlies.
0: And it's, you know, it's interesting because we always look at Tillman. One of the things we loved about Tillman was, I mean, last year, even as a p- pretty veteran guy, went down to the G League to stay in shape. He was always ready, and he's been, you know, he's always come up big. I mean, I, we look at the stats, we think – we we definitely need an upgrade over Tillman when we get to playoffs if we really want to do something. And I agree with that. But I'm also just, you know, he hit the big shot to beat the Warriors in the play-in. He played great minutes for us against the Lakers. Um, like he has been he's been stable. And I look at, you know, Lofton Jr. and him coming in a little overweight uh, in training camps and people talking about it. I know it became probably a bigger deal than it really should have been, but that's just the worry because this is why you stay ready. And I wish, you know, he had stayed fit because he's about to play a lot. And honestly, I think he is, you know, I think there's other teams that are probably interested in him. But, I mean, he is playing for his professional NBA life right now. Because if he plays really well these first 25 games, um, you know, then maybe the Grizzlies don't have to make these moves. Maybe they can stick around and be patient um, and look for look at him as a future piece. Um, but if he doesn't play well, I mean, the Grizzlies are probably waiving him. Um, and looking after something or making some trades where he might be the odd man out. So very important first 25 games for for Kenny Lofton Jr.
1: All right, we've got one more thing to mention before our 10-game prediction, and then we'll be signing off. Uh, There was an article released on ESPN.com. It was by Baxter Holmes and Tim McMahon, and Tim McMahon is the sort of area reporter, the Southwest Division Guy for for ESPN. He's also on some of their flagship basketball podcasts. Um, has been around for a while. Baxter Holmes is always involved in more investigative journalism type stories. And they released uh, a, a full account of everything that's happened with John Morant. Honestly, from the time that he's drafted, that he was drafted till now, and where things sit. Um, John, I'll get your take on it. I'll start by saying that I felt personally that this was more a, um ESPN's attempt to be the the source material, if we ever need to refer back to what happened in the John Morant saga, let's say, like, in three years, if someone was wondering how we got to wherever we are in three years, hopefully it's somewhere good. Uh, but I, I that's my sense, is that they just wanted something that was going to summarize everything. And, of course, they're, uh, being a national outlet, I just felt like, their editors were probably looking at all the different pieces flying around and were like, we just need to, like, bring it all together, consolidate it. Um, The timing, of course, was interesting, but I also think from an editing perspective and running a website, you're you're probably gauging, you know, when is NBA interest going to start to increase? That's about the time that we need to do this. Um, You know, there could have been maybe more conversations with the Grizzlies organization on, like, hey, we have this story, what, you know, Let's talk about and and collaborate together on when we want to release it. Eh, I don't know about that one, but uh, that's my take on it. Did you feel as if there was any sort of... um you know, undo timing on it or, or what was your overall take on yeah, the, the story? I mean,
0: I mean, one is it's nice because usually when Baxter Holmes comes to your town, um, uh, that, uh, it's not good. You know I mean? The last like three or four exposés he's done, people have gotten fired. So in that sense, I think it's good. They didn't find anything new to run that. It was more of, I just think a summary with maybe a few added details here or there. Um, and, and I, you know, I think the timing was a little weird, but in some ways I think, they uh, they knew it would be a front page thing. It got a ton of clicks. I mean, it it really did. You know, it's it is still amazing to me how big of a star Jaw it is. That like even in the midst of football, college football, that an article releases on a Wednesday and and he makes all the shows, all the all the even just normal national TV podcasts and and other things talk about it. So so I think there's a little bit of that before the season starts. Get people kind of in the basketball mode and it also does give you the link. So because I do think when he does come back, I don't think. Uh, ESPN as a TV partner would want to be releasing a negative thing and so you know it feels like now they've released the negative it gives some time to now kind of uh, do the positive Uh, with that you know I mean I there was nothing really new it didn't throw me uh, much Uh, you know I think the the team sources some people talked about oh the team kind of talked some uh, you know gave up some information and so that maybe means there's some frustration between him and jaw i don't really see that maybe uh i think you know for all we know the team sources are no longer with the team uh, but were there last year for all we know uh you know it's it's people lower level that that's all they could get i it seems like everything that i've heard and seen it seems like jaw and the team are good um and so I'm not worried about that. And then, I, you know, I'm my my major frustration was there was a lot of anonymous, quote, sources, especially from local business owners who just kind of gave the boomer <laughs> the boomer Memphis takes as far as like complaining about crime or like complaining about dress, you know, or rap and stuff like that. And that I kind of roll my eyes at that stuff. That was sort of annoying. And I don't feel like speaks. For a lot of Memphians or a lot of local business owners, but uh, but besides that, I don't think it was you know I don't think it was some huge story, but it did you know take over I think sort of the media for a lot, for last week a little bit in Memphis. So
1: yeah, the last thing I'll say on this, um, and if you need to add any more, no, feel yeah. free. The uh, I think the thing that makes me most nervous about something like this uh, is that Ja will start to see that everyone or everyone against him and that certainly seems to be his impression right now. And I don't want him to incorrectly lump Memphis in with everyone being against him. And the like you said, just the local business owners, any sort of, if he has any M- Memphis media members that maybe he's just not a fan of, and, and then therefore we will just kind of say, Memphis is also against me, so it's just me and my crew against everyone. I, I think if you were to pull 10 Memphians who are Grizzlies fans, you know, nine out of 10 would say that their John Morant fans still want what's best for him and really just want him to succeed and will be there cheering for him this season when he comes back. And that is the general sentiment. And so that's what I, I want him to at least know that this city has him. Of course he is on, um, you know, a tight rope here and he's got to walk it correctly uh or else I don't know how long Natthians will also be behind him but for now like that's important and and you can't read too much into social media I mean he's really he's really online but um I think it's also we get sometimes too wrapped up in reading into that uh but he's still going to be behind his family like whatever your opinion is about T Morant whatever your opinion is about his crew like that's just kind of who he is at this point and it's kind of like can you accept that um as long as it leads to uh, a pattern of behavior that's positive. And also, uh, yeah, that's just the one yeah. thing that yeah, I want I mean, and
0: I agree. And, and I, you know, one other thing is just, I do think, uh, you know, like I said, Baxter Holmes tends to write negative exposés. Tim McMahon... <laughs> <laughs> no if it's, you know, I don't think Tim's listening, but he's just a negative person. Like he's he's a hater. Like he is that personality. He rarely is like, oh, this was awesome. He's always down on everything. Um and he's so in that sense I you know, I like I I think there's you know, talking about T. Moran as a dad, I think there's a lot of criticism there. I just don't like it when it's just criticism and you also don't put about the fact that, like, the story we know, that he, he gave up professional sports so that he could raise his son and daughter. Like, there's a lot of good things, too. It's a good and bad, not just all bad. And the article slanted towards the bad. But, and and you know, with being online, and nothing makes me fearful more than when middle-aged guy like me tries to decipher emojis on Twitter. But... Uh, But Jod did say, you know, he did talk about that he, you know, he did make very many. A positive, you know, that the Grizzlies were a positive to him about getting through life and stuff like that. And I think obviously all the teammates have always backed him no matter what, um, even if they're maybe frustrated on the inside. And so I'm not worried about those sorts of things.
1: I'm just I'm just ready for the first highlight in his first home game and just to be in the crowd and, and hear what happens there. And I hope that is a an important moment for him as well in um, determining, you know, who's on his side. Yes. Um, all right, sure. last thing uh, for this episode, 10-game prediction. I'll read off the games, and I'll let you go first. Okay. Um, home against the Pelicans, home against the Nuggets, at the Wizards, home against the Mavericks, at the Utah Jazz, at the Portland Trailblazers, another game at the Portland Trailblazers, and then the last three are home against the Heat, home against the Jazz, and then at the Los Angeles Clippers. John? Your first 10 game so, prediction yes. is
0: So, it my so quickly, my first game uh, 10 game prediction is 6 and 4. But I'll tell you uh pre steven Adams news and right after the last preseason game, I definitely would have gone 8 and 2 and you know, which probably is even just in general for an NBA team, very few teams start off 8 and 2. Uh, but so I still, because I think the schedule is very manageable. I honestly am tempted to even go seven and three, but I'm going to go six and four because of the Adams news. Uh, and just there's, you know, there's some weird games like at Wizards should be a win, but it's on a back to back. So who knows what that means. There's just a lot of stuff like that. But it is a very manageable schedule with who we're playing. Um, it'll be interesting. I mean, I think very early on, we get sort of what's seen as a peer to us in the Pelicans and the Mavs, we also get the title. Uh, you know, the NBA title champions in the Nuggets get to kind of see what's going on there. So we get kind of a good test, but I I loved what I saw of our last preseason game. It has me very confident, and one of the reasons why I'm not in total despair is because Adams did not play in that game, and I just... Saw that we moved the ball well. I really liked, I felt like our offense was moving better than it has in years past, that people were touching the ball. Um, you know, I liked the amount of threes we were getting up and a lot of open shots. And I just I just thought we looked like a really good, uh, well-coached team that that passed the ball and shares. I thought Marcus Smart looked really good. So because of that, I'm still going six and four. I uh, think we're going to be above 500.
1: I have five and five. Um, I'm not quite as hopeful. The uh, Adams injury has brought me down. I was going to say 6-4 before now. Um, we have five at home, five on the road, the Wizards back-to-back. I still count that as a win, but the the names that are now um, really important keys to these games are Jonas Valanciunas, Nikola Jokic, which he was going to be anyway, but Walker, Kessler, Bam Adebayo, and Avita Zubats. And so we're playing all of these guys who are your stereotypical 5, Bam's a little bit more stretch for uh 5, but I just you know, the 3 game road trip also out at the Jazz, they have one of the best home court advantages and then at the Blazers twice. The thing that makes me nervous is that it's really early in the season for them, you know, Scoot Henderson's going to want to make an impression. They still have guys, like they're not just like a fully tanking right. team yet. The Wizards to me are like already in tank mode, so that's why I'm not as nervous about that game. There's just too much up in the oh, and by the way, we're not quite yet at that point. We will be five games in to where we can sign that replacement player if we really do need them, right. if a little bit more front court depth. So if we're looking at if this were our second block of ten game predictions, I'd probably go six and four with the roster we have right now. But there's just like a couple of things that are making me nervous. So yeah. if we can if we can get out of this five and five. um, I'll be good. And that's exactly what I'm expecting.
0: And I think, I mean, honestly, uh, and I'm going to always be probably a little more positive, a little more hopeful. uh, But, you know, I think, I mean, it's always been 500 or maybe even a little bit better before Jaw comes back was always going to be a win. And so, you know, you know, and so I'm hoping we get a little bit of, we get a little over 500 these first 10 because, you know, spoiler up to the next, the next 10 is a little more challenging. And so hopefully uh, these first 10, we can come out, um, start well, and, uh, you know, and put up a, fi- you know, at least be 500, 5 and 5. That's the hope, so...
1: Well, we'll probably list this podcast as a Steven and Adams Emergency Pod, uh, but this is this was the first edition of the Weekend Update. We will be back with you next weekend. We have a Grizzlies prediction podcast that we recorded last week before all this news came out. It's set to release on Tuesday. We are still deciding whether or not we want to release that. We might, you know, add some caveats in there. Uh, but there was a lot of uh, assumptions made about the health of this team, and and now this 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 team is is pretty different and so we will uh keep you updated on that probably still release it with with a few uh, previews in there uh, but Grizzlies season starts on Wednesday night at home against the Pelicans going to be a you know division game uh, it's going to set the tone and I want to see the FedEx forum loud I'm yeah, excited and,
0: and we need to take advantage of it because if, if if we have it, injury issues they have some major injury, injury issues and we need to take advantage so. absolutely so well, it come out I, I'd love to see that be a sold out home crowd for the opener and uh, super loud give it a good atmosphere so
1: well thanks again for joining us for craft i'm will we will talk to you next week then